Chances are, if someone mentions the words emotional intelligence or emotional health, you'd probably say, ah, that's all woo-woo stuff, we don't need that. Well, it turns out that most C-level executives think the exact same thing, and it's one of the biggest things that's holding them back. In this episode, I speak with Noble Gibbons, who's a mastermind of all of these things. I had so much fun interviewing Noble. He's got so much energy. Just listen to this intro and you'll see exactly what I mean. You're gonna love it. Stay tuned. You are listening to In Your Element. Where we uncover stories, thoughts, and ideas dedicated to helping you find your own element. Let's dive right in. I hope you enjoy the show. Big Aaron, it is great to see you, my homie from across the pond. Man, it is awesome to be on your show, man. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, man, and all you guys are listening to Big Aaron. He is putting out some great skinny, and I'm super excited again to be a part of this this opportunity, this podcast. So, for me, my quick background: I was a, a, a grew up in the Midwest and in, in the states, United States, and in, in Illinois. And I was then I went to the military and used to jump out of airplanes to get to work. Some of y'all may drive to work, <laughs> ride a bike to work. I used to wow. jump out of airplanes to get to work. <laughs> and amazing. then, yeah, and then I was a serial entrepreneur. I've, I've had been a part of probably over 10 different startups and have failed at most of them. And then came to a point in my life where I realized that I was, I've been emotionally clueless for 99% of my life until the past four or five years ago. And so just the changes and the transformation that is occurring in my life as a result of getting healthier emotionally, working on my emotional fitness and getting healthier emotionally. You know, I was telling you, Aaron, before we started recording, my life has changed in every single area of my life, my faith, my marriage, my parenting, my finances, my productivity, my fitness. I've lost over 50 pounds and kept it off for nine months. So for somebody who's been a, a, a food addict, for like a no joke food addict for most of my life, because that was my coping mechanism, unbeknownst to me, didn't realize that was my coping mechanism. People pleaser addict, I'm a recovered people pleasing addict. Uh, so it, it, Aaron, this has been so life transformational for me, bro. And so I, I'm so passionate about it because of the life transformation that's happened in my life that I want to tell everybody about it. And, and you know, because I think, well, a couple of things. One, the the impact that emotional growth has had in my life has, there's not an area of my life that hasn't improved as a result of my emotional growth and healing. And so for me, I love sharing the impact that getting healed emotionally and and therefore growing on our emotional intelligence has in our lives. And, And I had no idea the tangible, concrete impacts. I used to think that emotional health and emotional influence was, was soft, was soft skills, warm, fuzzy stuff. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to mess with, like, are you kidding me? I, you know, I was an airborne ranger, infantry guy in the army, used to jump out of airplanes to get to work. And like, you're going to tell me about how to be more warm fuzzy? Like, no, I don't think so, bro. And, and unbeknownst to me, the, I didn't realize that emotions impact every single one of our decisions. Every single one of our decisions goes through, physiologically, goes through the emotional center of our brain before it ever hits our logic center. So for even all my lo- logical analytical homies, out there that think, oh man, I don't, you know, emotions don't affect me. No, it's just, you're not aware of how your emotions are affecting you. And how, and and the thing that I was saying too, is that the impact of, here's the deal. There's not a human being on the planet that has not been 
that has not had an emotional injury. The, 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 the human being experience is made up of emotional injuries. And how many of us have intentionally gone back and healed intentionally each one of those emotional injuries? Well, most people don't, number one. Number two, most people don't even know how to. How many of us have even been trained on how to identify, process, and manage our own emotions? Again, the vast majority of people haven't. And, and it, the crazy thing is like, who, who doesn't have emotions? Lottie dotty, everybody has emotions. So why would this not be an area that we would want not want to get more intelligent on and spun up on? Not so that we can turn into this warm, fuzzy, kumbaya person, but so that we can have and have emotions not control us, but inform us so we can make more effective decisions, both personally and professionally. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing, Noble. That was awesome. Um, you know, there was a lot there that I would love to to touch on. And one of the things that came to mind for me was a quote I, I heard listening to an audiobook by Brene Brown, Dare to Lead, just about a day or two ago. And I think this was a quote from another author, but I heard it through um, Brene. And, and she said that we're not thinking machines that feel, we are feeling machines that think. And I think that really captures what you're trying to say. You know, a lot of people live in the sort of left brain, left hemisphere, very logical, analytical. And um, we, you know, a lot of us neglect um, the fact that we do have emotions and, you know, we're not utilizing the potential of that other side of our intelligence. And I would love to hear from your perspective, what you mean by emotional intelligence? Excellent question. Emotional intelligence, and, and I'll, let me say this before 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 I answer. There are so many people, I would, I would argue that the majority of people don't know what emotional intelligence is. The two groups of people that are my four years of studying emotional health and emotional intelligence now are familiar with, emo with emotional intelligence, EQ or EI, emotional quotient or emotional intelligence as it's sometimes referred to, are, are C-level folks, C-suite, CEOs, COOs, CFOs, CIOs, and also academic. Uh, folks are familiar with emotional intelligence, but all the rest of us, if we're not in a C-level suite or in academia, I've, I've found that most people have never heard of, have no idea, have no framework or concept of what emotional intelligence is. So if you don't know, don't, don't feel, don't feel bad. And if you do know, awesome. Uh, that's great. That's excellent. I just hope that you have, a, have an intentional emotional intelligence development program, because it's one thing to know it's like, oh yeah, I know all about working out, but do you work out? You may know about emotional fitness, but do you have an emotional fitness program? And so emotional intelligence is, is being able to identify, accurately identify, process, and manage your own emotions and also the emotions of others. So that is how I would define very simply, very basically, how I would define emotional intelligence. It's, it's, it's identifying, processing and managing and using your own emotions and also the emotions of others to, you know, to make better decisions, to be a better human being, to be more effective in life, to reach your full potential in life. Yeah. I'd love to ask about this idea of emotional fitness. I like the analogy that you used. How is it that we can practice emotional fitness? What does that look like? So again, another great question, Aaron. 
And now I will tell you this. So here's my disclaimer. My disclaimer is I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a, uh, a counselor. I'm, an, I'm a certified emotional intelligence practitioner and a corporate EQ coach. You know, and we have a podcast called EQ for Entrepreneurs. Obviously, EQ is for everybody, but we were just starting out, didn't know what else to brand it. We've been entrepreneurs forever, so we just branded it EQ for Entrepreneurs. And I will tell you that, that just like fitness in any other area of your life is so important, physical fitness, massively important, zillions of amounts of research on the importance of physical fitness. Well, I also argue, again, from a, from a, a, a practical application standpoint as somebody who's been an entrepreneur for 25 years is that emotional fitness. And also I'm a homeschool dad. We homeschool our kid. I'm a very, or very out of the box thinkers and emotional fitness, especially to handle what's been going on the past year, year and some change now, year and a half in the world with all this instability, unpredictability, uncertainty that's been going on even to this day. Oh, that, you know, uh, to vaccine or to not vaccine, to mask or to not mask, you know, all, all this, you know, the, and the, the conflict that that causes among people and the, 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 the anxiety and the stress. How about this? How about the social distancing? How about locking up social relational beings? And, 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 you know, we say, oh man, COVID is the issue. Well, Here's what's crazy, and I don't know why this is, but the media, I don't know how it is in, in the UK, but in the US, 99% of the media is around COVID and mass and vaccines. There is very little about how domestic abuse has gone up 400%, suicide has gone up exponentially, uh, uh, depression has gone up exponentially, a drug addiction has gone up exponentially, drug overdoses have gone up exponentially, and what some folks are calling it is the silent pandemic are all the consequences, right? So the, the concept of emotional fitness is so, so important, especially in the times we're living in today. So what does an emotional fitness program look like? Let me, let me just start off very basically. Well, let me, let me actually start off big picture and then I'll get into some of the details. I've read, you know, again, reading tons of books on this stuff. One, one author, she's a, she's a, a PhD psychologist for like 30 or 40 years. She said, it's actually more harmful to be self-aware with no self-management. It's actually harmful. It's more harmful than if you just didn't, you weren't even self-aware. If you didn't, if you weren't self-aware and you didn't have any self-management skills, that's even better and healthier than being self-aware and not having any self-management tools. So for me, as a, as a coach, as an EQ coach, both go hand in hand. You want to grow not only your self-awareness, but also your self-management skills as well, which again, a good emotional fitness program will incorporate both of those, not just, not just the one dynamic of increasing one aspect or the other. The two need to go hand in hand. Now, let me also say this when I talk about emotional intelligence, there are four primary domains in emotional intelligence as kind of coined or defined by Daniel Goldman, the, the OG of kind of emotional intelligence. He wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence. Now that one is, is very academic, it's, it's very meaty. So I don't, you know, I don't know that that's a good starting off point if you're starting off your journey about emotional intelligence. There's another book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0, which is a really neat book. That's kind of a, a broader scope. 
and, and talks a lot about the values and benefits. It's not super academic. So that's kind of a nicer one to, to start off with. But anyway, Daniel Goleman talks about the four main domains. Now, since then, over the past you know, 10, 15, 20 years, it has been developed even further. So now there are lots of different emotional intelligence models out there. And, but I'm not going to go into all those. I'm just going to talk about the kind of the industry standard with Daniel Goleman, the kind of what he's talked about was four main domains, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, social management, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, social management, or some people call it relational awareness, relational management means the same thing. So a good emotional fitness program for, for beginners like I was, again, living 99% of my life emotionally clueless and really being an emotional five-year-old for most of my life, this is what I would recommend. So if you're, if you're already further down the road and you've been growing yourself emotionally for the past 5, 10, 15 years, maybe, maybe my emotional fitness program is not for you. Maybe you need something more advanced. But for me, for the nobles out there that have been emotionally clueless most of your life, this is what I recommend. And, and ironically, Aaron, check this out. This is super fascinating. I, I work with senior, senior level executives to include C-level, C-suite folks. And what's been fascinating, Aaron, is there are some aspects that these high achievers, high performers, leaders, senior leaders are very strong in, in emotional intelligence. And there are a lot of areas in the emotional intelligence arena that they're very low in. It's been really fascinating to watch, you know, because of the scientific uh, EQ assessment that I that I send them. They've got a couple strong areas, but a lot of low areas of emotional intelligence. Because what the skills that got them to the top are not the skills that they need at the top. They need to to expand and grow and develop some other areas of emotional intelligence that they haven't had to grow at that point in their career yet. So anyway, emotional fitness program. So here's an app. I'm not, I'm not a part of this app. I'm not, I didn't design this app. I don't make any money from this app. But an app that I use and recommend to other my clients is an app called the Mood Meter. The Mood Meter app. It's 99 cents on the app store. And it, it does two things. There's really two, well, there's a there's actually a few things, but it's simple, which I like. I, as an emotional guy who's you know new in my emotional journey, emotional health journey, it, it's very simple, and I need simple. I don't need complicated because here's the other dynamic, Aaron. Emotional fitness initially, like a regular fitness program, can be very scary for people. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and it probably took me a year to get the courage and confidence to start doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I'm older than everybody. Here's this big old white guy. You know what I mean? Ball tattoos. Who's gonna roll on the mats and get destroyed by guys like Aaron? You know, and so you know, I'm like, oh man, I you know, I don't know about this. I'm gonna get destroyed, and I'm at a place in my life where where I'm doing very, you know, at that time doing very well in business. Why would I want to start over again in my humility and get destroyed every single day in in jujitsu? So the emotional fitness program can also have the same impact on people. Man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to roll. I don't know how to. I don't know any emotional uh, uh, fitness moves or exercises. Where do I begin? Is it going to be scary? How, you know, where do I start? How, right, all these questions. And so, I want to encourage you all. And actually, there's a book I'm working on. The things I wish I knew before I started my emotional 
growth journey, emotional fitness journey. And because I haven't seen anything out there like that, there's a lot of academic stuff and scientific stuff, but I've never seen any resource like that out there. And so this app, this Moon Meter app is a great place to start. It asks you a couple things. So number one, it asks you, how do I feel? Hey, Noble, how do you feel? And so then I can, it starts off big picture, which I need big picture because my emotional vocabulary is, is at a kindergarten level. So I, I, that you can't start with me on deep, deep things, you know, uh, uh, right off the bat as a guy who I haven't even done one emotional fitness push-up yet. And you want me to run a marathon? Like, no, I got to start off baby steps. So it asks a couple of questions. Number one, how do you feel? So, and, and, and then it, it pops up this quadrant of, of four main quadrants, which is super cool. And it, it has, it has two main categories, pleasant or unpleasant, high energy or low energy. And for me, who's still getting, growing my self-awareness, growing my emotional intelligence, that's a great place to start, man. I, you know, cause I used to, I remember when Kathy would ask, my wife would ask me, Hey, Noble, how are you feeling? Fine. I've no, like, I didn't know any other emotion other than fine. Well, maybe an angry fine and Hulk mode, incredible Hulk were like the only two emotions that I knew. And so, so my, fine was my default. Cause I had no other answer. I had no idea any other emotions because I had learned how to stuff and avoid my emotions my whole life. And so, which is not a healthy thing to do. And so it asks you pleasant or unpleasant, high energy or low energy. So for me, those are great starter questions. Well, Okay, do I feel high energy or low energy? Well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of chill right now, so I'm feeling low energy. Okay, now, am I feeling pleasant or unpleasant? Okay, well, I'm not feeling unpleasant, so I'm feeling pleasant. So I'm feeling pleasant, low energy. So now I go to that quadrant. I click on that quadrant, and then it has 25 different emotions within that quadrant. And then, honestly, this is what I do, Aaron. This is no joke what I do. I will go through each little square click on that square so it may say it may say chill or it may say uh, watch i can even pull it up and just just give you some ideas right now so it'll say serene cozy tranquil complacent sleepy mellow thoughtful peaceful comfy carefree balanced blessed restful chill relaxed calm secure satisfied grateful touched fulfilled loving content easy going at ease. So, right. So, I, and here's the thing though, I didn't even know what fulfilled even feels like, what does that even mean for somebody who's been an emotional two-year-old for most of my life? I don't even know what a fulfilled even feels like. If you said noble define fulfilled to me, dude, I have no idea, right? I wouldn't even know how to define it. So what's cool is so I can click on fulfilled. Let's say, okay, I think I'm feeling fulfilled, but I don't even know what it means. So now I can click on it, and once I click on it, it will define it for me. Fulfilled, feeling like you have accomplished important personal goals. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Then I can choose work, home, family, or other. So three categories. So where, which area of my life am I feeling fulfilled? In? Well, let's say work. So I'm going to click on work. And then once you, once you click on the fulfilled part, and the work part, then you can click, then it says, can you identify one or more causes of your emotion? Capture your ideas below. 
So now it's, it's two levels of self-awareness. So number one is how are you feeling? But number two is why are you feeling how you're feeling? Which is important to kind of grow and understand the connection between that emotion. Now, this would be another helpful thing in your emotional fitness program is that I would add to this app. Obviously, again, I'm not an app developer. I'm not a software ninja like Aaron over here is. But one, one thing that I would add to this is where in your body are you feeling fulfilled? Because emotions show up in our body, right? When you feel anxiety, where do you feel anxiety? Is it in your throat? Is it, do you, does your head get hot and red? Is it your chest? Is it your belly? Is it your arms, your legs? Knowing where you feel a particular emotion is also super important about increasing your self-awareness as well. So then once, you, once you're able to identify, you know, go through that kind of exercise, and, and I recommend, what I recommend folks is to do that app three to five times a week, two to three times a day. The best way to, to, to start a new habit is attach it to a habit you already have. So what I recommend to my clients is do it, attach it to your meal time. So if you have, if you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, just before you eat, knock it out. And literally that whole thing that I just talked to in however many minutes, it literally takes 30 seconds to do. So 30 seconds for busy executives is not, a, is not too big of a deal. And it's enough to stop, pause, check in with yourself, get a little mindfulness going on. Okay, how, how am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? Right. And so it's super, super helpful. So that's that's one piece of it. That's for self-awareness piece. Then, of course, you want to start developing some self-management tools as well. But in this exercise, you got to start somewhere. So start increasing that self-awareness with the goal at some point in your emotional fitness journey to develop some of some self-management tools also. Mm, yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. This idea of stopping and then really trying to put a name to that that feeling and get more precise with your emotional vocabulary I think is quite is quite interesting and I would love to understand I know this is something that we touched on a little earlier but I was I was kind of curious when you talked about how uh, leaders c-level executives tend to fall short on some areas of EQ I'm curious what are some of the common areas that these leaders tend to fall short in that's a great question. Okay, so so now to answer your question, I'm going to need to go into a little bit of the scientific emotional assessment that I that I give, and that's kind of what my my process is that I use for my coaching, my my EQ leader development coaching program that I that I use. I, I use this assessment as kind of my foundation or miles. It's like our it, what I call it is it's your emotional before photo. You know, if you take a before and after photo, it's your emotional before photo. So it's where you start. So there are there are a number of different domains of emotional intelligence. Again, in this um, in this assessment, actually, I'll, well, I can even watch. So I'm gonna I'll pull up mine. I'll kind of walk through a little bit of mine. So there's five there's five main areas of this of this assessment tool, and each of the five main areas has three sub areas. So for a total of fifteen. Now there's there's another one, but there's like 16, but I'm only going to do 15 for right now. So self-perception category. So the one of the main composites or areas is self-perception, which is comprised of self-regard, self-actualization, emotional self-awareness. Then there's self-expression, 
which is another that's the second category of the five, which is made up of emotional expression, assertiveness, and independence. And then the third main category is interpersonal, which is made up of the three sub of interpersonal relationships, empathy, and social responsibility. And then two of the domains, the main domains or, or you know, composites that this specific EQ model assesses, this is what makes this assessment different than most other EQ assessments. This includes a decision-making composite and a stress management composite, which are very important, obviously, for executives and senior leaders. So in the decision-making composite, which is the fourth composite, the fourth main area, it's comprised of problem-solving, reality testing, and impulse control. And then the fifth main area, stress management, huge, obviously, in the world we live in today, is made up of flexibility, stress tolerance, and optimism. So the area, to specific to your, to your question, a couple of the areas that I have found a number of these executives lacking in has been in the interpersonal relationship category and the empathy category. There have been a number of them that have gotten to the top with very little to no empathy and or very little to no interpersonal relationship skills. Many of them are, are great at decision-making, great at impulse control, reality testing, problem solving, uh, but interpersonal relationships and empathy have been a couple of the areas. Another one, honestly, self-awareness. Some of them have not been strong in self-awareness. And also another one of the low areas is emotional expression. Those are two other areas. So if I had to pick four areas, those would be the four areas, self-awareness, emotional expression, interpersonal relationships and empathy have been the areas that a number of senior leaders and executives are, are, have been low in. That is pretty interesting. And particularly the idea of empathy and interpersonal skills, I think, I mean, from, from my experience, and I have not been in a career for, for that long, um, I'm still quite, quite new, but I am starting to pick some things up about the kind of um, leaders that I find really inspiring. And I'm seeing that a lot of them do exhibit great levels of empathy. This to me is really interesting and inspiring as well. And it makes a lot of sense because if you as a leader practice empathy, I think that's a great way of building trust between people. And when you have trust, you have uh, the free flow of ideas and communication and honesty. And I think that really helps to nurture great team dynamics and amazing work as well. So I, th I find that really interesting. And I'd also be curious, um, from your perspective, what do you think are some good ways of helping to develop better empathy and interpersonal skills? So that's great. That is, <laughs> and that's a million dollar question because so, some of the, some of the, my clients have actually said this to me, Aaron. Well, Noble, so yeah, I got this, this science, it's scientific. So this is not Noble's opinion on what Aaron needs to work on, right? Well, I think Aaron needs to work on, no, 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 it's not, it's, I haven't, you know, it is, it's a scientific assessment that a lot of psychologists and therapists and stuff came up with. And what, you know, a, a few of these guys have said, look, Noble, okay, I got that this is a scientific assessment. And I got that they, this assessment says that I have no empathy. And you know what? 
I don't care that I have no empathy. Right. So there are some folks like, Hey, look, dude, I, look, I, I, I'm a successful senior executive without any empathy. Why should I start now? Is some of the, the feedback that I've gotten some of the rights so I've gotten some pushback because here's the other dynamic. How many senior leaders enjoy having an area, enjoy knowing that they have an area that is not very strong. Number one, how many of them, how many of them enjoy working on an area that they're not very strong in? They're used to dominating and crushing every single area of their life. So now knowing an area that they are not strong in is not something that a lot of a lot of egos. And a lot of those senior leaders like, no, like, oh man. So it's a lot easier to like just lock it away and hide it away and pretend, la, 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 you know, hey, I, I don't want to know about this, than to face this stuff. It's, and, and here's the thing if you're, especially if you've never, if, if empathy has not been important to you for your entire life, which here's another side note there's a reason. So actually, let me say it this way. So what, whatever your emotional assessment comes out to be, your childhood has a massive impact on where your assessment is. Massive. So the more, a lot of times, and again, there's exceptions, but a lot of times, your, the more unpleasant your childhood, that is going to be reflected on your emotional intelligence assessment. That's going to come out. That's going to be, that's going to come out. You can, you can try to fake it. You can, it's going to come out one way or another. And so how to develop empathy. Number one is this, Aaron, is you have to, you have to understand the importance of it first. For, For some of these executives, do you, do you even understand the importance of it? Now, sometimes their initial response is going to be pushed back. Well, Dude, again, look at me. I'm at the top of the food chain. For me, no, it's, it hasn't been important because I, clearly I haven't had it and I don't need it because look at me now. I'm at the top of the food chain, right? Now, a lot of times that's a cover for their uncomfortableness about now knowing that they have a, an area that they're, that they're so weak in. So sometimes they'll try to overcompensate. No, man, it's not important. I haven't needed it. Why would I start now? So then I'll start asking some questions like you just pointed out. Hey, hey, Aaron, let me ask you this. Do you feel that leadership is important? And I start with a, I start with a, a, a kindergarten question. I start with a level one-on-one question because I have to start with an area of common ground with you. Because clearly I know right now when you're being, and oftentimes there's an emotional reason that you're not even aware of, of why you're pushing back on empathy. Right. So in your head, well, no, 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 this is what, look, empathy, I haven't needed it. Da, da, da. There's an emotional reason why you're saying that, not a logical one. You think it's a logical reason. There's an emotional reason why you're pushing back on empathy. So I'll start at a, at a common ground question. Where can we agree on? Do you agree, Aaron, that leadership is important? Yes, of course, Noble. Come on. I'm not an idiot. I'm a freaking C-level guy. Why would you even ask me that? I know. I know. And I play dumb. I know, I, look, I, I know, Aaron, it was a dumb question. So let me ask you this, Aaron, knowing that we both agree that, uh, now that we both agree that, you know, empathy is important. I mean, I'm sorry, that leadership is important. Why? Aaron, tell me 
why leadership is important. And then I have you answer. Boom, let me see. And then within that, you're going to tell me something about influence. You're going to tell me something about impact in the company. You're going to tell me something about performance of the company. You're going to tell me something about uh, uh, meeting shareholder expectations, ROI, KPIs, metrics, whatever, right? So then I'm going to, so I'm, my, my point is this. I'm going to start at 10,000 feet with some questions, driving down, driving down deeper and deeper and deeper until you realize that a critical, critical component of effective leadership is empathy. Because what happens, again, I think I said this, is that a lot of times they were great salesmen. Let's say it's a sales organization. They were great salesmen, crushing it, amazing salesmen. They can close any sales deal, selling millions of dollars of their product every single year. They get promoted, they get promoted, they get promoted. They're crushing sales, crushing sales. Now they're in charge of people. Well, as, as a sales guy crushing sales, they're not in charge of people. They don't have, dude, I just need to get Aaron to sign this contract, this $10 million contract for my new software. I don't care about Aaron. I don't care about his family. I don't care about the dude as a pro. I just need Aaron to sign this paper for $10 million contract. But when, but when you are in charge now of leaders and you're a leader of leaders and a coach of coaches and a mentor of mentors, that skill set, empathy, definitely needs to be developed because like you you said so so great Aaron if you don't have an empathetic leader that is absolutely going to play out in so many different areas of the, of the company up to and including a major minor detail which is what culture is culture important organization are you joking me if any leader tells me culture is not important dude you you either you're a new leader or you're you are clueless right? Culture impacts everything. It impacts performance. It impacts effectiveness. It impacts productivity. It impacts ROI. It impacts, it impacts everything. And if you have a culture that is not an empathetic culture, that is absolutely going to be reflected in outcome. So, so once I establish all that, and because I have to speak that executive's language to get them to understand, because what all they care, and I, I'm being extreme here, so bear with me a little bit. So not all they care about, but some of the most important things that senior executives care about is ROI, KPIs, and metrics. And I have to attach how empathy impacts the area, their love language, right? Which is, in this case, ROI, KPI, and metrics performance, you know, shareholder, you know, all that kind of stuff. I have to connect empathy to, to their love language, to what's important to them. And if I don't make that connection, then they will say, screw you, dude. I don't care about empathy. But as long as I can make that connection, now I can start driving down and start helping them grow and develop their empathy. Mm, I think that is, that is really interesting. And, you know, trying to get leaders to see the value of empathy by using their language i think is an interesting it's an interesting concept now one of the things i'd love to get your insight on is why you think there is this natural inclination towards i guess logical intelligence versus emotional intelligence in places of leadership you mentioned that their language is kpis metrics and shareholder expectations why do you think, and I would even go as far as to say 
in society at large, why do you think there is this inclination to sort of sit in the, you know, the left brain versus the, the right brain? Because again, using company, using a company or organization or business as, as the, as the, the, the model that we're going to be talking, you know, that we're going to be referencing here, what, what, what is rewarded? What is rewarded in a company? Profits, right? If a company doesn't make money, like, you, you know, you can say all the warm fuzzy, oh, but my company saves the whales or my company helps, you know, uh, uh, albino alligators or whatever your cause is. If your company does not make money, your company is doing nothing with albino alligators or whatever your cause is. So I think that's why the, the tendency has been, and, and if there's any pushback in an organization for this, you know, emotional intelligence is look, bro. Cause that was me in the army, in the army. When I was in the, in the, in the army, I didn't care about this stuff at all. For me, it was a soft skill and, and in my head, and this is what executives do too. Soft skills don't impact hard skills. Well, that's after 20 years now, this research and studies, that is completely the biggest myth, lie, false news ever. Soft skills, like we just talked about with culture, 100% impacts hard skills. And so, but if, if, if you are swimming in spreadsheets and data and timelines and milestones and project management tools and systems and if that's what you're swimming in all day and, and, and your boss is on you eight hours a day with, you know, we're losing money or why, you know, we only grew by 5% this past quarter, you know, it should be 7% or not, right? It's all numbers. And so in what part of the brain is that? So I think because that's what gets rewarded, I think, I think that's why so many people have just stayed in that part of the, of the, of, of the, the world of their brain, so to speak, and of and a business rather than, than realizing, spending some time, investing some time in the soft skills like emotional intelligence, which impacts individual emotional health, which impacts ultimately performance, which impacts culture, which impacts outcomes and results and all that kind of stuff. That'd be my two cents. And, and one other thought too, Aaron, I wanted to mention before, just real quick circle back on the whole empathy thing. The other way that I like to, introduce excuse me introduce working on empathy for people that are like dude don't care don't want it don't need it never have never will kind of mindset the other way that i like to introduce it is if they have a family because they may not again intellectually like dude i don't need it at work because i'm hardcore i'm a business guy i only care about numbers i only do with spreadsheets all day i don't care about people Okay, but if you have a family and you tell me that same speech about your family, bro, right, you got a lot of other issues. Most people understand and, and love and value their family. And so sometimes I will start with a client working on their empathy with their family, with their children, with their spouse, because you're able to see some, some more direct, immediate impact and feedback on empathy and of empathy and now oh man wow my wife is my wife is noticing my children are, i'm not yelling at my children as much i'm not 
yelling or I'm not as my, my temper isn't as, as, as short as it was before. Wow. I am starting to see some results here. Okay. Well now let me try this out at work. Right. So that, that's another way just to kind of circle back real quick. Cause I forgot about that. So anyway, that's what my answer there. Yeah. That, that's awesome. I think starting with your family is, is great because it is a place where you're not thinking about numbers and metrics. It's just, you know, it's human, it's relationships, right? So I think it's a great place to start. And one of the things that I would love to get your insight on is just coming back to the topic of developing emotional management skills. What is your take on some of these tools and practices that we hear about in places like, you know, gratitude, journaling, even, you know, meditation, mindfulness? Are these practices that you would recommend for developing better emotional fitness? Or do you have, you know, other ideas? Like what does like a typical, you know, I guess fitness plan beyond this, you know, um, mood meter like app that you mentioned look like? Yep. Great question. So. The other thing that I would recommend, so so is it definitely journaling, definitely some degree of journaling. Now, if no one's ever journaled before, that's why I like the Mood Meter app because putting in why do you feel this way in 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 140 characters, like literally in a tweet kind of thing, it's it's like an entry level journaling. It's like journaling for beginners. So so I say, hey, let's just start get some success and some consistency in this level of journaling. This little tweet level of journaling and then as you start getting more consistent you start seeing the value then we can start expanding it into more levels of, of, of the concept or the area of journaling here's the psychological impact and the physiological impact of journaling because for me i'm like dude journaling warm fuzzy stuff again you know big bald bearded guy with tattoos why on earth would i be writing down my warm fuzzy emotional stuff right but, but here's, what, here's what I didn't realize about the physiology of emotions and the impact. So there's another great book called The Body Keeps the Score. Emotions impact our bodies, period. We could say, no, no, it doesn't impact me. Dude, you're just not self-aware enough. I'm telling you, emotions impact our bodies. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's what happens. Our brains... Are, are, the, are the most amazing organizational and filing machines in the world. Our brains are, like that is what our brains do, is organize and file millions and millions and millions of bits of data every single day without us even realizing it. Driving down the road, millions and millions of bits of data is coming at us and our brain real time is filing all this stuff in our brain safety danger safety you know all these different things right so when 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 emotions hit us emotions are 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 like three-dimensional right they can show up whenever however why ever and as intense as they want to you can't control, we can't control when our emotions show up. They show up whenever at the most inopportune times, in the middle of a conversation, the middle of the workday, the middle of walk, rocking this project, wham, we get hit with some emotion that happened 10 years ago. And, and you may, and here's the thing, you may just be aware like, oh crap, what, what's going on? You may not even know where it came from or why it's going on. That's the thing with emotions. So one of the tools, answering your question, one of the tools 
And the reason why it's so important, and, I, and I'm, I'm growing this area myself, I'm trying to create muscle memory in this area myself. As soon as I get hit with one of those emotions, those, whether it's big or little emotion, pleasant or unpleasant emotion, my goal, in fact, this happened to me just the other day, I had, I had the most extreme 24 hours I've ever had in years and years and years. I had, I got a phone call from a buddy that I hadn't talked to in 15 years saying, Noble, I want you to put together two senior executive emotional intelligent leader development programs for me in Africa. We're going to fly you out. You know, this could turn into a year long contract. Obviously, obviously I was excited about that. Another, I've been doing these pitches to media, all these big national media program companies about emotional intelligence. And I've been, you know, I've closed 80% of them. These are big national media. I, I'm, I am on a high. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I'm so excited. All these big giant emotions, right? The next morning, I got a call from my buddy who said his 26-year-old daughter tragically died. And she's the mother of a two-year-old. I was, I was destroyed. I was wrecked. He and I cried on the phone for 30 or 45 minutes. So in 24 hours, I was on the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Normally, what would what, what have happened to me, I would have been immediately shut down emotionally. I would have had no emotional bandwidth and no emotional availability to be in that uncomfortable, tragic space with my friend because I wouldn't have had the emotional bandwidth to even pick up the phone or to make the phone call and have that, share that space with him. And I would have shut down, pulled away in my emotional cave for three or four or five days because all those emotions were overwhelming and spinning around inside my head and my body because I would have just stewed and brood, stewed and brood, which are both very unhealthy, unproductive things to do. But that's all my, that's all I knew how to do was stewed and brood. And so, so here's what I did. So now I'm answering your question, but I had to set that context. So what I did was now, because I'm mostly healthier, I immediately, because I was, because what, what I noticed was as, after that phone call, 30 to 45 minutes of bawling on the phone with him, I was starting to go into my emotional cave. I was starting because and then now I'm, now I'm also emotionally unavailable for my wife. I'm not emotionally available for my daughter. I'm not emotionally available for anybody. I'm not emotionally available for this podcast, right? I would have been completely withdrawn. And so I immediately noticed like, oh crap, my emo like I'm starting to, to shut down because of all these emotions. I hadn't processed all the positive high emotions from the day before. I still hadn't processed my buddy's uh, uh, daughter dying tragically. And so I immediately sat down. I, in fact, I just did a podcast episode on my, on my podcast about this process that I'm telling you right now. I, I, sep I separated each one of those on a, on a note of a Mac. And so I created a note, right? You know, the note section, my note app, pulled that up and I created a new note for each one of those things. The, the overseas executive leader development program was one note. The next note was, um, closing 80% of national media organizations on emotional intelligence. That was the second note. My third note was my friend's daughter tragically dying. So I had three separate notes. Pulled all three of them up. I started on the left. Executive leadership 
program that I got to develop for this company, this big giant company. I wrote down, I, I call it a thought vomit. I wrote that vomited all my emotions and thoughts that I had about that one, that one thing. Excited, nervous, uh, uh, anxious, happy, joyful, uh, uh, elated, fulfilled, right? Uh, um, you know, all the emotions, everything, I just a vomit. All of all the thoughts and emotions. Then I went to the next, I couldn't think of any more. I wrote down like 20 or 30. Then I went to the next one. National meet, closing 80% of these national media organizations. All the emotions. Oh my gosh, nervous, overwhelmed, excited, doubting. You know, all the different emotions I could think of. Pleasant and unpleasant. And then the third one, got to the third one. Crushed, destroyed, distraught, disheartened, frustrated, angry, confused, upset. Livid, you know, sad, you know, uh, uh, depressed, all the emotions and, and stuff I could, I could vomit out. So now, rather, and, and Aaron, I had probably 30 to 40 emotions for each one of those. So that's, let's call it 100. That's 100 separate, different, pleasant and unpleasant, intense, big emotions that were bebopping around my body that I had, that my brain had not organized or filed. So just by naming each of these emotions, pleasant and unpleasant, by naming it them, you can begin, the brain and body can begin to tame them. Once you name them, you can begin to tame them. And so, because again, the brain does not like stuff that it can't organize and file and label. So if you have emotions that are just floating around, here's another powerful quote, cheesy quote I say all the time on my podcast. Pain and bitterness that's not transformed will be transferred somewhere in your life. Pain and bitterness that's not transformed will be transferred. And then there's another powerful one. If you don't deal with your emotional issues, your family will. Your coworkers will. Your colleagues will. Your friends will. If you don't deal with your own emotional issues. So this concept of naming and taming, of journaling, of vomiting, the emotional thought vomit, all your emotions, just getting them down, whether it's paper, whether it's your laptop, that begins the healing process, and, and here's the other thing that it did. Oh, man, Aaron, this is so dope, bro. The other thing that this did is that it, it created, now once I got all those 100 emotions out and down on paper, it almost immediately, Aaron, after doing that. Now, I will tell you this, I was physically exhausted because working on, okay, now I forgot one step. After I wrote down those 100 emotions, the next thing that I did was I went down each emotion in each of those three notes and allowed myself to feel each one of those emotions for 30 to 60 seconds. That's a major minor detail that I left out. I allowed myself to feel for 30 to 60 seconds, I gave myself permission to feel angry. I allowed myself permission to feel for 30 to 60 seconds, depressed. Then 30 to 60 seconds, allowed myself to feel crushed. 30 to 60 seconds, right? Uh, excited, right? Depending on the note that I allowed myself to feel, right? Doing that exercise, those exercises, I was physically exhausted because it's people don't realize the physical impact of emotional fitness. It takes a physical toll on you. But here's what happened after doing that. So I was physically exhausted. 
But what it did almost immediately after, after doing that whole exercise, those two exercises, I, my emotional capacity immediately went back to normal. Whereas prior to doing that exercise, I had no emotional capacity, no emotional bandwidth. I had used up my full gigabyte fiber line or whatever. I'm speaking out of my league here. <laughs> this is your world, not mine. I, I, all my bandwidth was taken up. I had no more bandwidth. As soon as I did that exercise, Aaron, I got all my bars back. I got five bars back. I got all my connection came back to normal. And now I could start knocking out tasks and start, you know, start doing some things. But um, anyway, that's the power of, of, of being emotionally fit and having those exercises, those tools that you can pull out immediately to, to, to keep your emotional capacity and your emotional bandwidth at a healthy operating level. But if you don't have those tools, man, you're, you're going you're gonna to run out of emotional bandwidth. And, the, and we see what happens when people run out of emotional bandwidth. Again, the de de depression, domestic abuse, domestic violence, suicide, addictions. You know what I mean? Like yelling and screaming at each other because, wait, you're not wearing a mask. I can't believe Or you are wearing a mask or you didn't vaccinate or you did. Va Guys, like we're all humans. Why are we yelling and screaming at each other? Let's love, accept, and respect each other, whether they vax or don't vax, whether they mask or don't mask, whether they're remote or they're in person. Guys, let's, right? But if you don't have that emotional capacity, I'm going to go into Hulk mode on Aaron, and Aaron's going to go Hulk mode on me because we're both operating at an emotional deficit. So anyway. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I loved the quote you mentioned, what's not transformed is transferred into some area of your life and if you don't deal with your emotions your colleagues your friends your family will i think that is really powerful and i'm particularly interested in how your emotions can also impact your physical health that's something that i have recently started to learn more about in my own growth journey as well so noble it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. I have loved having you and your energy and helping share with us all of your um, growth and learnings on emotional intelligence in this conversation. It's been awesome. Uh, just before we wrap things up, if people want to learn more about emotional intelligence and the work that you do, how can they do that? Thank you, Aaron. So first of all, bro, this has been awesome, man. My bro from the UK, the big London, man. This is awesome to connect with you, man. I, hopefully we can stay in touch to hear about your own emotional growth journey and how you, you know, you continue to impact people with your podcast and, and all that you do. So my website is eqforentrepreneurs.com. So they can, they can find us on eqforentrepreneurs.com. We have a podcast, EQ for Entrepreneurs. We have a YouTube channel, EQ for Entrepreneurs. Uh, but, but everything that we're doing that's going on is uh, at eqforentrepreneurs.com. They can find us there. Also on social media, the different social media platforms and stuff as well. Uh, but our website has all that information on there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Noble. And there you have it, folks. If you want to supercharge your emotional signal bars like Noble talked about, then check out these amazing resources. Give a listen to Noble's show, EQ for Entrepreneurs. And I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the show. In Your Element uncovers stories and ideas of people living in their element. 
If you know someone who has a great story or have a story of your own you'd like to share, then get in touch and join our growing community at inyourelement.fm. I would love to see you back here for next episode. As always, keep being you, keep crushing life, and keep finding your element. I'll see you in the next one.